Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. The only people who don't want to disclose the truth are people with something to hide. I grew up in Cuba under a strong military oppressive dictatorship. So as a teenager, I found myself involved in a revolution. I remember during that time, a young charismatic leader rose up talking about hope and change. His name was Fidel Castro. And, uh, you know, we all followed him. We thought he was going to be our liberator. As a result of being involved in the revolution, I was imprisoned, I was tortured, but by the grace of God, I was able to leave Cuba on a student visa and came to the greatest country on the face of the earth. I think the most ominous words I've ever heard was in the last two State of the Union addresses, when our president said, if Congress does not act, I will act unilaterally. Not much different than that or bearded friend that I left behind in Cuba, governing by decree, by executive order, just like a dictator like Fidel Castro. I feel that without a shadow of a doubt, outside of the Bible, the greatest two documents that have ever been penned are the Constitution of the United States and the Declaration of Independence. And the reason those two documents have lasted for 230 years is because they were written on the knees of the framers. Men of God seeking wisdom for, from above. And those truths are as relevant today as they were 230 years ago. And you know, when we see the intrusion upon our liberties, when we see whether it is looking at our emails or listening to our telephone calls, or when we see the IRS targeting Tea Party groups, freedom-loving groups, because it, for their political ideology, I see, I say, we can remain silent no more! Silent no more! The only people who don't want to disclose the truth are people with something to hide. Boy, is that the truth. <laughs> uh, and I think their name begins with O. Um, welcome back, everybody. It's really good to be back here with you all tonight. We have Pastor uh, Tom with us tonight, and he is going to lead us in prayer. And then tonight we have Donna and David Carrico with us, and they're going to be talking to us about uh, ritual abuse. Is that right, David? Yes, ma'am. Okay. 
So, uh, Pastor Thomas, you want to start with prayer? Absolutely. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to... Heads up, warriors. I have, excuse me, I, my telephone blinked out. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Thomas, and we'd like to welcome the Heads of Warriors, and we welcome uh, David and Donna. Um, it's a special day today, folks. We, this last uh, Friday, or last the 11th on Wednesday, we had a national prayer day for all Christians to go to the Lord. And this day was called by the Lord. It was a day for all Christians to go to the Lord and repent of, of their participation in any false religion, their participation in any sin that's brought this country to the place where, where we all find ourselves today. Today we're looking at the judgment of God being poured out upon the United States very possibly. And, uh, Father, we, we repent of anything that, that uh, we had a part in in bringing this great country to this place, both for those things we did and those, those things we didn't do. And, Lord, please hear our prayers. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you for the beautiful day when your creation has woken up and it was given once again the opportunity to choose you and choose your ways, Lord. Yes, Lord, we choose your ways. Please help us. I, I pray for heads of warriors this afternoon. I pray for Kathy and Patricia. We pray, Lord, that you cover this, this program with the blood of Jesus and protect all these speakers, protect um, uh, David and Donna, but protect all the speakers and all the participants in the program. And we ask that your, your message is given, Lord. We ask that the, the message of the Spirit of God is delivered to everyone today through this program and that the truths of your, your yearnings for us, Father, the truths that you're trying to tell us right now are delivered to, all, to everyone listening. And if, if we pray that the people listening get on their computers and send notes to everyone that they know about this program and about this message, Lord, and we pray that it's brought wide and far and wide. Lord, we lift up all the, all the souls in, in Colorado today. We lift up all the souls. There's almost 500 people missing from these fires, Father. And we know many of them are safe somewhere and, and, and quiet. But, but, Lord, we pray that you take care of them, you cover them with the blood, and protect them, Lord, from the, from the fire and from the smoke and the evil and disease. And from the floods, Lord, Father. What, what, dear? It's the floods. The floods, I'm sorry. <laughs> Heavenly Father knows. You know, Lord. Father, we pray for the... For, for the we have a horrible, horrible problem that we've been watching for two years develop. And a China syndrome has developed in Japan. It's been, it's been roaring up over the last month, Lord. And today, the, the Fukushima nuclear units are in full meltdown. Units 1, 2, and 3, and 4 have been in full meltdown for almost four or six weeks now. And, Lord, we, we pray for all the people being directly affected and all of those that soon will be indirectly affected. This, this uh, nuclear meltdowns and this uh, what has happened here, we know is going to affect much of the world. Maybe one-third of the world is going to be poisoned. And this is a terrible situation, Father. We plead for your mercy. We plead for your help. We plead for your guidance. We plead for the protection of all people, specifically for your Christian children, Father. We lift up the Christian children. We pray for their protection. We plead the blood of Jesus upon them. And, Lord, we... We pray that you walk with us and talk with us and teach us today and, and use David and Donna to, to raise up the body of Christ, to invigorate them, 
to, to learn about a, a, a very important message that they have for us today. And, Lord, we love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Okay, David, it's yours. Uh, we're going to ask callers, by the way, to hold off until 7 o'clock if you have any questions. And you can call in at 914-338-8255. Um, and if you have a question, press number 1 when it prompts you to do that so we know that you have a question. Okay, David. Well, thank you so very much, and I just want to begin this afternoon by thanking Reverend Thomas and Sister Rubio and to all of you listeners for having the opportunity to share this afternoon, and most of all, to thank the Lord Jesus for giving us the opportunity to once again lift him up and to share the glorious gospel. And I want to take a little time this afternoon to introduce ourselves to your listeners. I know that most of you have never heard of us or not acquainted with us. To give you an understanding of what we've done, what we're doing, and why we do what we do, what our heart is, and what makes us tick. And I don't want to teach per se this morning, but I want to share a few scriptures that have shaped our life. I can't talk about our life outside of the Word of God because that's what molds us and has made us what we are and will always continue to do so. But I want to begin our story this afternoon in about 1980 when I married my wife Donna, which was certainly a life-changing experience. And there have been several distinct experiences that have shaped us and took us down a distinct path that has um, been out of the ordinary. And we're thankful for that because God's people, we are a peculiar and a strange people. But shortly after we were married, we really felt um, led by God to move from the town we were in to and to come to Evansville, Indiana. And we were one night in prayer. We had a an all-night prayer meeting, and we were there with a couple other couples and a few friends, and we prayed in our home here in Evansville, Indiana, and it was a supernatural night of communion and the gifts of the Spirit and foot washing and just a real supernatural time with God. And that night, and to say the Lord said and the Lord spoke to me, it's not something that I throw about lightly, but that night the Lord spoke to me, and he personally rebuked me about some things that I was teaching in regard to the pre-tribulation rapture. And that night, he spoke to me a verse from John chapter 8 and verse 51. And it is from that time been my favorite scripture and one of the foundations of my life. In John eight fifty-one, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. And the Lord said to me quite simply that night, from now on you tell him what I said. And I, I was saved in 1972, and I was always, I was saved in prison. 
in Indiana State Prison. I was there. I was a child of the 60s. I was a hippie, and I was into drugs and the, the college rebellion and the whole thing. But after coming to the Lord, I was realized that I had that revelation that God wrote a book, and I fell in love with the Word of God, and I'm still in love with it to this day. And I have always been a ferocious student of God's Word. And that experience that night totally changed me. I was a pre-tribulation rapture teacher in the Church of God of Cleveland, Tennessee. I had earned the degree of master teacher and would teach pre-tribulation with rapture with my Bible charge. And for those of you that don't know, this is the teaching that the Lord is going to take his church out before the judgment of God and the tribulation time of the last half of Daniel's 70th week. And this is a tremendous deception that's going to do much harm to the lives and the souls of many, many people. But from that experience, the Lord implanted something in my mind and my heart that's been developing over four decades. And that was just simply when he spoke to me, from now on, you tell him what I said. And in the epistle of Second John, the ninth verse, the apostle John said, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. And the doctrine of Christ became alive unto me that that was indeed the things that Jesus said. Jesus never said, interpret me and you shall have an eternal life. He said, believe on me and you shall have eternal life. And from that time, what Jesus said, and I'm, I'm talking about them red letters, became the final authority in word and doctrine. And from that time, I did not study one man and another man on different positions and choose which position I would take on an issue or a doctrine. But from that time, the doctrine of Christ began to lead me. And I began to understand. And as I said, I, I'm not going to give a big lesson this afternoon. I'm going to share about our life. But just a couple more scriptures I want to share with you. In uh, 1 John chapter 2, verse 27, the Holy Ghost began to teach me what the anointing was. And in, in 1 John 2, 27, the Apostle John again said, But the anointing which ye received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. And something we always do in our ministry and in our counseling, we teach people how to hear from God and be taught of God themselves. We we don't believe in addicting people to ourselves, but addicting people to Jesus Christ and how to maintain their freedom and independence with the Lord through a personal relationship. And the Lord connected that scripture in 1 John 2.27 about the anointing with something Jesus said. And this began the revelation of how the Holy Ghost works in the anointing and how the Holy Ghost really becomes our teacher. In John chapter 14 and verse 26, Jesus said this. He said, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you of all things 
and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said to you. And the Holy Ghost will teach you of all things by taking you back to what Jesus said. And it's all about Jesus. It's all about him. And as we allow the Holy Ghost to take us back to Jesus and what he said, and I'm talking about those red letters, and I understand that revelation from God, that it, it works through the gifts of the Spirit. It comes through the word of knowledge, through the word of wisdom. It comes as revelation from God. But the primary way that the Lord speaks to us is through taking us back to what Jesus said, at least in the office of the Holy Ghost as the teacher. And if you understand that about me, you understand everything that makes me tick. That's why I do everything I do. I'm basically just a preacher of the gospel. I'm a servant of the Most High God. But in the, in that, in the course of doing that, there have been some things that have gotten the way that I have had to deal with. And we were doing... Um, ministry on the radio. We've always loved the medium of radio, and in the 80s, we were doing AM radio, AM Christian radio, and we were doing interviews. Uh, I was teaching on Bible prophecy. I was talking about uh, the door knocker cults and this, that, and the other, doing a lot of apologetics. We've spoken a lot of apologetic conferences down through the year, and I did an interview with a man that I found out lived about an hour from me here. His name was Tom McKinney, and he had wrote a book called The Deadly Deception Dealing with Freemasonry. And I did one interview over the phone with Tom, and I did another interview where he came up Evansville. He lives uh, just south of Madisonville, about an hour away from us. And he came up in the studio, and we did an hour live, a couple hours live. And... From that, and I believe that that was the first time in my knowledge that anyone had ever spoken out against Freemasonry here in Evansville, Indiana, and that show had quite an impact. It split one of the most prestigious churches in Evansville down the middle. It was one of the. It was a Presbyterian church that had a lot of the so-called founding families and elites of Evansville in it, and it was quite. Uh, a turmoil that resulted when one of the Sunday school teachers from that church came and taught on Freemasonry in their church, and it really was quite a story. But another one of the local jewelers here, give his heart to the Lord, and we went up to his jewelry store, and he emptied out the Masonic jewelry uh, that was in his case, thousands of dollars worth of it, and melted it down and this was something that the Lord greatly used, and this began my research in earnest into Freemasonry. And we began to develop a research library that I can honestly say that I would not trade my library for anybody's library that I know. And we have always been sticklers on documenting. You know, I do not sensationalize. When you deal with satanic ritual abuse and Freemasonry, it's sensational enough just by its own nature without trying to be sensational. But at the same time that I began researching in earnest Freemasonry, my wife Donna was involved with an advocacy group for abused children. And some of those children were satanically ritually abused. And this would have been about the late 80s that... 
we became involved in this, and there was a case here in Evansville, Indiana, called the Blue House case. And there were children here in Evansville, uh, over a dozen of them, that alleged that they were being taken out of public school to a Blue House. And there they were satanically ritually abused. And they were taken right out of school. They would go to school, and then they would go to the principal's office, and they would be taken by people to this house where rituals were performed on them. And there were over a dozen children that had come forward and had made these allegations, and these children did not know each other, you know, and it was uh, it was quite an amazing thing. And as we became involved in this, at that time, uh, we did not know that there was even such a thing as satanic ritual abuse, but it was just of the Lord that, our study, my study into Freemasonry and our introduction into satanic ritual abuse, it, it coincided. And of course, this was just a God thing. And the two principles that were alleged of the satanic ritual abuse, they were both Freemasons. And these children would also say that uh, many of them, that they were taken down to the lodge where things were done to them on Masonic property. And strange things begin to happen as we would uh, delve into this case. Uh, there would be a child that said, and one child in specific said that I was sexually violated in the principal's office. They took this, the parents took this child to the doctor and it was medically verified. Well, the the former prosecutor of Evansville, Indiana, Bill Welburn was his name, he became an advocate for these children. Mr. Welburn wound up dying in his bed with a gunshot to his head, was ruled a suicide. And um, when we went uh, to go to the hospital, and when Mr. Welburn was putting this case together, the record was gone. And strange things like this begin to happen, and we began to think, well, my goodness, maybe everybody in the world is a Satanist that almost begin to see seem like that because it seemed like there was nothing these people could not do to cover their trail. And then we begin to have a little bit of revelation. The, the two police officers that were in charge of the investigation, they were Freemasons. And one of the ladies was one of the state executives of the Eastern Star here. The two principals that were accused of being the primary agents in this, they were both Freemasons. And one of them was actually received his 33rd degree in the Indianapolis Temple while the investigation was going on. And we begin to see the connection between Freemasonry and satanic ritual abuse, that there was a definite connection there. And the way that it works, and from that we wrote our book, The Egyptian Masonic Satanic Connection, and in the early 1990s, I do believe that we were the very first people, I did it in a conference in St. Louis, and I spoke publicly about the connections between satanic ritual abuse and Freemasonry. And since that time, there has been an understanding on a global basis of many people that there is indeed a real and a serious connection here. And it, and it works through a couple ways. There's a real spiritual connection because secret societies like the Golden Dawn and the OTO, they have historically been 
founded by Freemasons. The Golden Dawn in England began in the Lodge Hall. And these groups are what I call Masonic Satanism. And the Golden Dawn and the OTO, and let's just say that in your town, if there's an OTO chapter operating clandestinely, these people are almost always Freemasons, and they could have meetings in the Lodge property without even a lot of the other Masons knowing it. All you have to do is just to have a couple of the the guys in the lodge to give you access to the property, and you have a secret society within a secret society that has the protection of the domain of the lodge to do what they do. And this is an ideal situation, and this is something the, the Masonic Lodge has been used for many nefarious purposes. You know, if you're going to do a drug deal, it's a lot better to do the drug deal in the lodge than down under the underpass of the local bridge. And it's, a, it's the carnal man's dream that you walk into a situation where everybody in there has sworn a death oath not to say what you're doing while you're in there. And always the judges and the police are always uh, involved in Freemasonry, so the opportunities here are just endless. And secret societies deliberately work this way. And satanic ritual abuse from the time that we made public this... Uh, connection from that day and that's been over 20 years ago the people that contact us on an ongoing basis to verify this they just keep coming they just keep coming and it's a, it's it's a very real thing and there's not only a logistical connection between it but there's also a spiritual connection and I and I call it masonic satanism because Alistair Crowley who is the father of modern Satanism. He was a 33rd degree Scottish Rite Mason, and he also held the 97th degree of Memphis Miserium in the European Rites, which uh, a lot of American Freemasons, they don't even know this exists. So there's, there's a spiritual connection. Uh, Anton LaVey said that all serious occult orders go right back to the Lodge, and this is very, very true. And what you have in Freemasonry, you have a worldwide organization to where if I was a Freemason, I could go to Hong Kong or London, I could go into Lodge, and I could ask around a little bit, and I could find out if there was anyone bent to what I was doing, and I could do my recruitment, my operations, under the safety of that Lodge umbrella. And this is the way that uh, they've done it for a long time. Aleister Crowley, in his autobiography, uh, talks about how Carl, Carl Kellner of the German OTO recruited him, said he watched me and he recruited me right out of the lodge into the Ordo Templar Orientis. And this is how it works. This is their playground and this is their mode of operation. And we, when we began to see that happen, we began to understand that this was indeed how the Lodge was doing it. And this connection is a very real and a serious one. And the story of our life is also a story of how the Lord has brought us out of the institutional church. And uh, another scripture that I would like to share with you this evening that is a good way to understand what we are and what we're all about is 1 Corinthians chapter 5. And I began uh, in the church, and I, I would say in the Church of God of Cleveland, Tennessee, and we didn't know what else to do. We tried uh, 
to, to stay in the church because, you know, that's what you do. But when you take a stand on the pre-tribulation rapture, where well, there goes a lot of them right there. And then when you take a stand on Freemasonry, well, there goes a bunch more there. And we just become, you know, you know, we just didn't fit in the church world because of what we did. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 9, the Apostle Paul said, I wrote unto you in an epistle not the company with fornicators, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world, or with the covetous, or extortioners, or with idolaters, for then must ye needs go out of the world. But now I have written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator, or covetous, or an idolater, or a railer, a drunkard, or an extortioner, with such a one no not to eat. And in Freemasonry, even at its most benign and initiatory level, in the Blue Lodge, the first three degrees, which would be the Entered Apprentice, Fellowcraft, and Master Mason, every Freemason opens and closes with prayer to the Gayatu, the Grand Architect of the Universe. And this is not, the Gayatu of Freemasonry is not the God of the Bible, but he is the God that promises salvation to Freemason on the basis of their Masonic works. They promise salvation without Jesus. They will, they will preach salvation to the uh, Hindu Freemason as well as the Christian, quote-unquote, Freemason. But in the third degree, in the language of the monitor, it's explicitly stated that the Freemason has re been redeemed from the power of sin and the sepulcher of pollution. And this, of course, is another gospel just as sure as the uh, Jehovah Witnesses or the Mormons would preach another gospel. So from that time, we would no longer give the right hand of fellowship to any assembly that would receive a Freemason and acknowledge them as a Christian. So we became more isolated yet from the church system, and from that time, we began planning churches. And we started... Uh, several churches uh, because we just, you know, absolutely did not fit within that churchianity structure. And this has been a journey that has taken four decades to figure and understand a lot of the things that the Lord has enabled us to learn. And in the decade of the 90s, we dedicated ourselves to the area of satanic ritual abuse and Freemasons, Freemasonry. And we, for 12 years, I believe. Donna can correct me if the number of years is incorrect. But we spoke and gave a presentation at the National Leadership Conference of Ministry to Masons. And uh, we worked with many other people um, in that area. Uh, gosh, Dave Hunt and Gary Kaw and many other people uh, worked with us in those conferences. And we also started our own conferences in uh, St. Louis, and in Indianapolis on ritual abuse. And seven years in a row, we had a ritual abuse conference. The last one was in, uh, we, we didn't have it in uh, on 9-11 uh, because that was the year that everybody had booked um, flights and they were afraid to fly, and we really got stung and uh, big time financially on that because we weren't able to do it because everybody got afraid to fly. But anyway... We, um, you know, and I don't know how we did it. We began writing in the 1990s. We raised two children, and uh, we also were overseeing a church. And one summer, 
We did 16 conferences, and looking back on it all, I don't know how we did it, but we did. And uh, also in the 90s, we began to see some of our work receive some credibility. Um, we were on the 700 Club three times, and we helped do the research for their uh, three-part series on secret societies. And uh, Indiana University began to take seriously our research on the connections between satanic ritual abuse and Freemasonry. And Hal Popinski, who was the head of the criminology department at Indiana University, began to use our material in his criminology class. And for several years, Donna went over to speak to the criminology class at Indiana University. So we began to see our work being quoted by Christian authors like Kathy Burns and others. So our work began to get a degree of recognition, but we began to also see ourselves more and more alienated from the so-called church world. And at about that time, and if I would take us up into the 2000s, just to kind of give you an understanding of where we've been, what we've done, what we're doing, and why we do what we do, we, we then began to understand, and the Lord began to show me the apostolic pattern of the church and the home. And we began exclusively to have meetings in our home, and we began founding other church congregations and in other homes, and we devoted ourselves uh, to shortwave radio and uh, our ministry, our books, our writings, and, and whatever, and our DVDs. And basically, this is what we did. And another life-changing thing about that time, uh, well, just about three or four years ago, we lost our home in a flood. And uh, it was just real traumatic. We were wanting to save our ministry stuff. And where we're at now, uh, I have as many books in storage as I do here because we just don't have the room where we're at now for to have the whole library we had where we were there. But... Our main ministry today is FOJC Radio Church, and uh, what we do is because, and I and I feel right at home with what uh, Pastor Thomas and Sister Rubio has shared their heart and the heart of you, the listeners, that we believe that the church in America is the problem. My biggest problem, and I say this over and over, my greatest enemies are not the Freemasons. They are not the Satanists. My biggest enemies are those that are religious people, the modern-day Pharisees of the apostate church that absolutely despise what we're doing. And the, prop, the reason why the judgment of God is falling on America, it's because of the church a church that has failed to preach the gospel, a church that has not stood where it should stand on many issues. And it's, it's uh, the, the area of satanic ritual abuse. Uh, we've ministered to survivors over and over again, and they try to go to church, and there is a Mason pastor, there is a Mason deacon, they are re-traumatized, and they are not in a safe environment. So what we do in our radio ministry, our intent, and we've got teaching on 
just all kinds of things. You can go to our archives, and we've got hours and hours and hours of teaching you can you can access for free. But we are a church to those that are disenfranchised, that do not fit in the American religious system. And we're at the point to where if you stand for truth to any degree at all, you're not going to be welcome in the modern American religious system. And that's what we do, and that's why we do it. And I am going to ask my wife Donna now to come on and just share a little bit. Donna is constantly working with SRA survivors on a continual basis, and the Lord has really gifted her in working with survivors. And I'm going to allow her to share for a little bit, and then maybe uh, if you all have some questions, um, maybe a, like about seven or so or whenever, uh, you all can ask some questions, and we'll do our best to try to share with you that which the Lord has given us. But now why don't you just share your heart a little bit with the listeners and introduce yourself to the people. Hi, and I am a child of God, and I haven't always been a child. Um, what, what? I'm sorry. I'm trying to tell David he can't mute his mic. Oh um, yeah, that's what happened. Okay, <laughs> mute your mic, David, or it shuts me off. Okay, sorry. Okay, so anyway, um. I was raised in a Baptist church, um, and I was the little girl that sang all the time, and I just loved all that, but I really never did learn about real salvation. Um, they It seemed to be like more of a works thing, but anyway, um, I grew up thinking I was a Christian, but <laughs> at the same time that I was trying to go to church and be a good girl, I was suffering from... Um, a horrible abusive home and mind you now I have heard and seen many other survivors that were in a lot worse situations than I was and I used to minimize my abuse a lot until I had a therapist tell me don't you understand it only takes one time for a child to be exposed to abuse to ruin their lives forever and, you know, that really hit me, so I've stopped minimizing my abuse. But at the same time, I go forward because I want to strive for the mark of the high calling. And it took a long time for me to get to where I am right now. And I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for my Lord. And when David and I first got married, he really did not realize how messed up I was. And he... uh I had a lot of gifts, and I was a good person, but emotionally, I was really messed up. And during this time when the Lord was drawing us into this ministry to abuse children, I was in a support group, um, which uh, was SLAM, is what they call it, Society's League Against Molestation. And that's where I began to meet these other mothers and these other survivors and I realized that it was true back then the statistic was one in three women are abused before the age of 18 
I think that still holds now. And one out of four boys, but I think maybe that might have increased some. But mind you now, that is only the ones that are reported. That doesn't count all the ones that are not reported. And one thing that we began to realize is that there were a lot of things that went on that we had no idea. We did not understand about Freemasonry. We were really in the dark. And even though I had been abused uh, in the context of incest and rape and then a little bit of satanic ritual abuse, uh, we just didn't realize the connections of all of it. And then all of a sudden, we were just threw into this ministry. God moved us to Evansville and just, boy, we were just throwing right into this. And it, it was pretty overwhelming. And at the same time, we just couldn't believe the churches were not dealing with this. So we began to try to educate the churches. We decided we would write books. So uh, through the course of our lifetime here, we have written uh, 19 books, most of which are about Freemasonry, they vary in sizes, uh, and like David said, we have one that we call the Masonic, the Egyptian Masonic Satanic Connection, and in that book we compare the Egyptian mystery religion rituals, the Satanic rituals, and the Masonic rituals and their symbols, and we connect them all. And also in that book, uh, we have uh, drawn, well, there are 30, over 30 some pictures of Satanic rituals that are in that book and this book is very valuable to caregivers and to survivors it's triggering for survivors it depends how far along they are in their healing but uh, they help substantiate what the survivors think they saw and they help therapists see when they're when their clients draw pictures with you know therapists caregivers uh, shrinks whoever you know ministers it helps them to see that, yeah, other people went through these same things. And there's definite characteristics in these pictures that are similar all over the world. And we're the, probably the first ones that ever put that all together. And our friend um, that we met in the Assembly of God Church, uh, he's the one that was actually ministering to these people. And then we jumped in on scene, and we did all the research and education. And he wrote a chapter in our book uh and we helped him connect all these pictures that he was aware of with all the rituals and everything. And so it's, it's a very, um, it's an explosive book. I mean, there's a lot of people think, oh, no, I don't even want that in my home. But yet it ministers to survivors greatly when they see that there's other people that have went through similar things. Now, as far as myself goes, I did not have all my memories. They have come gradually a little bit uh, right now I can say honestly I do not have very many memories um, on a daily basis but when I do I'm able to process them without being uh, triggered and going into a deep ab reaction uh, I'm really blessed because God's given me the ability to write poetry so I will write a poem about it and then I'll release that to the Lord and that's how I receive my healing um, and then I did not remember all my abuse until, um, and I still haven't, and see there's, there's some things here that I deal with with survivors. I, I do not think the Lord expects us to remember all of our abuse in order to get well. In fact, sometimes I think he hides that from us 
so that we can just go on with life. And when we minister to people, we ask for God to help them to remember what they need to remember to get well. And then we deal with it. But we do not believe. We don't believe in memory retrieval. We don't believe in hypnosis. We don't believe in some of the so-called Christian ministry techniques. We believe that the Lord Jesus Christ will set people free when they take it to the cross, just like they take everything else to the cross. And through the years, we have learned a lot of little things. Like We didn't realize that when God moved us here to Evansville, uh, we didn't understand about the Masonic thing too much. But we found out that between Indianapolis and Evansville is the highest concentration of 33rd degree Masons in the world. Now, God threw us right there. We were right in the middle of it, and then he moved us to the south at the end of the, this valley. And we still just find that amazing that God used us in this in this way. But we, over the years, like I said, we've written several books, done several conferences, have a lot of resources. They're all available on our website. I guess I'll throw that in right now. Uh, we have several ways to get there, but www. FOJCRadio.com, that's like followers of Jesus Christ.com, FOJC.com. Or the long way that we started out with was RitualAbuseFree.org. And we believe that you can be ritual abuse free through Jesus. Uh, one of the books that we wrote in the process, and I was the guinea pig for this, and that was our Victim to Victors book. And we originally called it Gilead's Bomb. And we dedicated this book to God's hurting people. Because when we hurt, God hurts. And there's a little scripture in Jeremiah 8, uh, 21 through 22. And it says, For the hurt of the daughter of my people am I hurt. I am black. Astonishment has taken hold on me. Is there no bomb in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is not the health of the daughter of my people recovered? Well, we kept asking that question ourselves every time we go to church. And they would say, oh, we don't know how to deal with ritual abuse. And we're thinking, well, you should know how to fight the devil, don't you? But no, they didn't. And then we saw how they hurt people. And then we saw the Masons in church. And boy, it was a rude awakening for us but as we look at this in the whole and I know uh, your ministry has dealt with a lot of different issues here but one that I've realized through the years is that one of the main factors that the the big brotherhood and I would say it's bigger than masonry bigger than bigger than probably really realized bigger than the Bilderbergers you know bigger than all of it but one of their goals is population reduction and they do this through abortion, euthanasia. They do it through giving our uh, children the drugs like Ritalin. And they do it through abuse. Now, I don't think the government abuses everybody, but it's the downfall of the family unit in our world. And it brings on this area where it makes the children dysfunctional and the adults dysfunctional. And... This, all these things are process of population reduction because if you can get a person dysfunctional enough, they cannot work in society like they're supposed to. And so 
So we do fit in this big picture of what's going on in this world. And through the years, like David said, we've ministered to many survivors. And I would say probably there's not two weeks goes by, but yet I get a new survivor. And through the years, we've ministered in, and we ministered through our materials, just through talking on the phone. We're very careful because we, we are not professional counselors, but we are ministers of God. And I'm not afraid of devils. I've cast many devils out and helped to set many people free. And in our book that we've written, we even try to help people understand how to do that. Plus, we give them an explanation about multiplicity. Um, and this book is uh, a book that we use to minister to all kinds of things. It's like if we have premarital counseling, we use this book because it helps to clean the garbage out of your life. That's the Victims to Victors book. And we we use this book as a, it's a great tool. We have scriptures in it all the way through, and we have other books that we minister with. We have one that we call the Christian Workers Handbook from Ministry to Masons, and we have <clears throat> 33 points that are in Masonic materials, and then we refute it with King James scripture. So we have lots of resources, and we're very uh, much like David says, we're a stickler on documentation. We won't say the Masons said it unless we can prove they said it. We either have it in writing or a photocopy of it. Uh, we're very much uh, research-oriented to be sure that we're not saying anything wrong. And as far as my life goes, I was raised in an incestuous home. Uh, my father abused me from my earliest memory is 18 months, and I was abused quite through high school. I was trained to be a victim, and my mother, I believe, knew about the abuse but didn't help me any. In fact, as I was growing up, uh, whenever I would act out, uh, and I think I was trying to tell her about it, but... When I would act out, they told me I was a highly emotional child. So my mother would just dope me up with some phenobarbital. She had a liquid phenobarbital for her nerves, and so she just gave me a little teaspoon of that, too. So that doesn't help me have a, a good uh, track record of having all my memories, either, because I was drugged. Um, and then as I grew up, I finally told some a boyfriend about my abuse. Well, the next chance he had, he actually raped me. So that let me know I couldn't tell anybody about that. And then when I went to church, I lived that double life, tried to be good. But when I went to church, no one really knew. And then I decided one day I'd try to tell the pastor. When I did, he made kind of sexual remarks to me like, oh, you're growing up to be a nice-looking young lady. And, I'm, and, of course, you know, I might have overreacted, but yet it felt sexual to me. So I couldn't tell him. And. My parents were good, upstanding citizens in the community, so I didn't think anybody would believe me, so I didn't tell. And then I married the first man that was uh, good to me. He was supposed to be a Christian, but I found out later it was a cult. Um, but I married him to get away from home, and I had a marriage of about 13 years, so I always call it the marriage from hell because I went through a lot of physical and emotional trauma, uh, miscarrying a baby, and but then I did have to beautiful children the Lord blessed me with. But I finally just got to the point where I see I'd never really dealt with my uh, abuse. And I really had never dealt with my own emotional 
mess, you know. I just pretended. I pretended everything was okay. Pretended I continued to have a relationship with my parents and yet still continue to be abused. And so um, after, um, at the end of that marriage, I finally ended in divorce and a suicide attempt. It was my second suicide attempt. The first time I tried to commit suicide was when I was about 15. I thought I was pregnant by my own father and I just decided to kill myself and took an overdose of pills and I just slept them off. Thank God he kept me alive and I knew even though I went a Christian I thought okay God's kept me alive for some reason. So I just went back to trying to go to church, trying to live that double life and then I got married, moved away from home, went through that 13 year marriage, finally ended like I said with another more serious suicide attempt. This time I cut my wrist with a razor blade and uh, tried to walk in front of a train, neither one of which was successful, of course, because I'm here and the Lord kept me here because he wanted me to be able to have compassion for others who get down that deep in depression. And I want to be sure and, and bring in this scripture. In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1 and verse 3 and down through 5, it says, Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation is aboundeth by Christ. So you see, God allows us to go through things, but he comforts us, and then we turn around and we comfort others. And this is my goal in life. I believe God has called me to give uh, people hope when they have no hope. To give them hope. To let them know, yes, yes, you can get through this. No, God's not going to wipe out your memories. But you can overcome them with Jesus' help. You can, you can process them and you can go on with life. And I, I believe, just like Jesus said, I do not want people to be dependent on me. I want them to be dependent on Jesus. So that's who I send them to. Um, God has also gifted me in a uh, way of dealing with people that have multiplicity. And in our book, we explain, I keep I hate to keep bringing up this book, but it's been a real valuable tool. It was my life to help me to get well, and it's helped many other survivors to get well. But in our book, we help people to understand about multiplicity and how the soul is actually one when you're born and then through much trauma that you can't stand in order for you to survive it and not die God allows that soul to split but in those splits there can be devils um, and I know there's a varied opinion about this some people think that multiplicity is all from devils but it is not we are here to testify we've seen many people face to face read minute much material we've read uh, self uh, help books out the wazoo. I have a whole bookcase of those, plus all the secular books on psychiatry. We just and all the Christian books. We've read them all, and we just know from our experience that there is more to this than what they're letting on. 
uh, devils can be in between those cracks. A whole personality can be controlled by a devil. And there's just such an intricate thing. And I wouldn't advise anybody to go into this area of ministry unless they get educated. We've been very blessed that we have educated ourselves. Plus, I have had a couple of friends that were both therapists that helped me. And, um, and like David said, I spoke at Indiana University. I also spoke at the Women's Glow in Chicago. And God uses me in a lot of different ways through word of knowledge and, and prophecy. And many times when we're dealing with a survival, God will, will speak to me. And he will help me to know something that will help that survivor get well. Just a little things, you know, even just a word or a, a place he'll tell me about. So I just, I praise God for using me. All these years, I've come from a really dark place, and it's not been easy going through my life. We've had a lot of trauma, and um, we've had a lot of, I've had a lot of physical problems. I've had a lot of surgeries and illnesses, and I'm pretty much uh, wheelchair-bound at this point. But I'm still serving the Lord, and I'm going to serve Him with all I have left. And through all this, I actually finally uh, finished a book that God told me to write, I call it, Lord, Is That You? A Garden of Memoirs and Blessings. And it's about the prophetic things that God's told me and, and some teaching lessons. And um, it's not like our normal books. It was my, I, it was a solo work that I did by myself. But I guess, you know, my heart just goes out to all these survivors because they just can't find people to help them. And... When they do, the worst thing I've had to deal with is people that have bad counseling. That is one of the hardest things there is to overcome. And we're getting towards our 7 o'clock time here where we can take questions. So I'm just going to um, be quiet here and let you do what you do best on this radio program. And thank you so much for the opportunity to be on here. Uh, we don't claim to know it all, but we've learned a lot over the years and we're always willing to share our knowledge with others and minister to those that are hurting. And so, Ruby, I'll turn that back over to you. We're really, we're really, really glad, glad you hear her. I am. I, am, I, I, know, I know I'm being on echo right now. I'm not sure why. Let me see if I can fix it. Um, there, it's gone. Okay. One thing I wanted to agree with you on, because I'm I'm a incest victim myself, is that um, I believe that God, in His wisdom and His love for us, He doesn't cause us to remember everything from the past ever. I cannot remember anything from five years old on down. My first memories are when I'm five. And I believe God has done that for a varied amount of reasons. But the number one reason for him is that God doesn't deal in the past. He deals in the present and in the future. Mm -hmm. Satan deals in the past. He drags us back there and he keeps <laughs> us there. Yes. And so I, I think that's one reason he does it. The other is he's so gentle. And he's not going to force on us anything that we can't deal with mm -hmm. to, because he's not going to keep us from growing. 
Well, one thing I did fail to mention is that on our radio programs, I do uh, offer a ritual abuse and healing hour. I have just a few programs running now, and I'm in the process of developing more, but I do offer that. Originally, I had planned on a program like about 1 o'clock in the morning, which is the time I'm usually up and survivors are up, but it's my physical uh, just problems just kept me from doing that. But I do have them running on the auto DJ, and they're in the archives, which are available. So I wanted to be sure and mention that. And I minister... Uh, my own thoughts and feelings. I minister in music. I sing some songs and I deal with a lot of things in our Victims to Victors book. And uh, I know you mentioned um, to me, you were talking about uh, survivors and vet, uh, veterans, uh, you know, veterans and things. And I also have a program on veterans and healing. So, because a lot of what they suffer is the same kind of trauma that we suffered as survivors. Exactly. Um, so I deal with that. Oh, I just wanted to mention that. Yeah, that's good. Um, we are taking calls, so if anybody has any questions, you can call us at 914-338-1550. 914-338-1550. Leanne, are there any callers holding? No, there isn't. I know that there's one that she had already contacted me and was probably going to be calling in from... Bermuda. So if you're still listening, you go ahead and call in. It's time. Uh, would that be a, a 01166? Uh, yeah, it might be, yes. Okay, hang on. And that, or that could be Thomas. Not I. Oh. Hello? Hello? Oh, hello, Kathy. Oh, it is Thomas. Okay. That, that may be me. I'm I'm listening in. I'm going to mute my microphone. And thank you, Brother David and Sister Donna. Really good show. And thank you, Sister Kathy. And I'm going to mute my microphone. I'm, I'm the one listening in. Okay. I know that she's going to call in on Skype as well, so whenever she gets to it. You know, I think about all of the um, people that I used to get the calls for in the middle of the night when I had my battered women's shelters open. Mm -hmm. And uh, how many of those were actually wives of policemen and sheriffs? And, uh, you know, it's amazing. It's amazing, but it hits every walk of life. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor or black or white or it doesn't matter. It just hits every walk of life. And I, I prayed so many times, and you and I had discussed this, um, Donna, that asking God why, why rape, why, why, why incest. And he showed me it's it's an immediate wall that comes up between you and God. Mm-hmm. And that's Satan's number one game, is to keep you from going to God. So I learned when I was quite young, I had to kick them walls in. And uh, I'm still kicking. <laughs> well, I left out a little part of my testimony that's real important there, because you see, at the uh, 
after the second suicide attempt and the end of my first marriage, I decided to raise my children properly, and I, I, which I had tried along, but my husband, first husband was a cult, and I didn't want them to go there, so I started taking my children to other churches so they would get the truth about God, like I did when I was little. And I decided even if I wasn't right with the Lord, I would take my children. Well, lo and behold, the, the churches treated me really bad. And so uh, finally I had a friend that came in to my beauty shop where I worked and owned, and she said, Jesus is there waiting for you with open arms. And I said, oh, no, I've been too bad. And she said, no, he's not. He, he's not mad at you. He wants you to come to him. So I went to her church, and it wasn't but just about four times I went there, and I really heard the true message of salvation, and I did get saved, gloriously born again. And two weeks after that, I was praying for a Christian companion uh, because I spent all my life, you know, being married to a man, and I didn't really want a father for my children. I wanted somebody for me, a Christian companion. I prayed all night and. The next day, I had a knock on my door, and guess who was standing there? David. <laughs> and he said that he had been praying over Psalm 68, where it said, The Lord set us a solitary in families. And we knew right then, without a doubt, that God had put us together. And that was a journey that it was just, we could, it was hard to believe, even though we had to believe it. And so we started our walk with God and, and uh, got married about three months after that, and about Six months after that, the Lord told us to move to Evansville, Indiana. So we just started out with a whiz-bang, and then by the time we got down here, he threw us into this ministry. And and so I didn't have time to be sick. I had to get well quickly. <laughs> and I told the Lord, I said, I need you to help me emotionally. I need to get well emotionally so I can be what I need to be for you. And like I said, it was quite a journey. I get tickled when I think about uh, David, he was teaching that pre-trib rapture, and I'm the little wife that's, you know, just married him. I am married to this big uh, preacher teacher guy, and I'm looking up to him, and I'm saying, David, uh, I just can't get my Bible to read like that. I, I've never heard that teaching before. <laughs> so evidently, in my American Baptist, they weren't teaching pre-trib rapture, and I wasn't tainted with that doctrine. But yet it was really hard for me to stand up to my husband who was teaching that at the time. So I was really blessed when God turned him around and said, okay, teach what I say. So, and I, I praise God for what he's done in our lives. Amen. And I, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I, I would just like to share a few things with you all and your listeners about a word of encouragement about what God is doing right now. We stand at this moment on the precipice of the judgment of God falling on America, and it's falling right now. The judgment of God is already beginning to fall, and it is just going to escalate until we go enter into the last half of the 70th week of Daniel. But what the Lord is doing, the Lord is rescuing the victims. 
out of the mouth of the enemy. And he's doing it for a reason. The Lord is preparing his body to minister in these last days. And the Lord is going to do great mighty things. And he's not going to do it through the institutional church. He's not going to do it with the televangelists. Because when the money dries up, they're going to be gone. I guarantee you. But the Lord is preparing his body, and he's bringing unity within the remnant to prepare the body to minister and bring in the harvest during these last days. And the scripture gives three great examples. Um, if, if I might read Ezekiel chapter 14, verse 13 and 14. The scripture says, Son of man, when the land sinneth against me by trespassing grievously, then will I stretch out my hand upon it, and will break the staff of the bread thereof, and will send famine upon it, and I will cut off man and beast from it. Though these three men, Noah, Daniel, and Job, were in it, they should deliver but their own souls by the righteousness, saith the Lord God. And a lot of our teaching and a lot of our emphasis hinges upon these three examples of Daniel, Job, and Noah. It was Noah that prepared himself physically. And it was Daniel that had the revelation of God into the prophetic scriptures to understand what was going to happen. And it was Job that had that relationship with God that though he slay me, yet will I serve him. And these three men, are the Old Testament examples of what it takes to survive, and not just to survive, but to thrive and to be the body of Christ in this time of judgment that we're entering into. And right now, you that are listening, that have been through hell, you are the ones that the Lord is going to strengthen and establish. And so many people that have just been ostracized, by the church system. You feel like a castaway. You feel like you're unusable for God. You are the ones that God is going to use. In the temple, it was the burnt stones that God took to rebuild that second temple. And now God is taking those burnt stones, those that have been abused, dejected. We always say that there's nothing that the devil can do to a person that God cannot undo. And right now, the Lord is moving to position his remnant. And he's greatly using the Internet because the Internet, for all the bad that's on it, it's an avenue that can coordinate um, the, the remnant around the world to be aware of what's happening and to prepare ourselves for this time. And I just want to make mention of another thing. There's so many things that uh, you just can't mention them all, but something else that was very profound and life-changing is a revelation that Donna had concerning uh, the coming mark of the beast and the revelation of the man of sin. And it, w it was simply this, that the, that the mark of the beast, and it's, it's more than this, but this is, a, this is a part of it and the central part of it, that this would be received during an apostate mass. And during this apostate mass, uh, this false communion, has been a part of the working of evil since the very beginning. 
And it's during this revelation of the man of sin that this worldwide false communion, where it will be a miraculous thing, where the wine and the blood will actually turn into real blood, and it will be manifested with uh, the actual turning into meat in their mouth and the, the talking statues and the, the whole thing. And this has shaped a lot of our understanding uh, and a lot of the emphasis of what we're warning people about and what is coming. Can you, can you expound on that a little bit? I guess I should Okay, well, it. I'll let Donna, because she's the one that the revelation come to, and after she received this revelation, uh, I have confirmed it in the Word of God, and it was several years before I even began to teach on But Donna, you just, you just share. Okay, in uh, 2001, in June, I was um, actually, we went to a Larry Norman concert, and I was pretty excited and up and came home and uh, was on the Internet getting my messages, and then all of a sudden I, I lost one of these emails, and I was looking for it, but then all of a sudden the Lord started speaking to me, and I began to search the Word, and He showed me that there is going to be a false communion, and I, and I'm going, but Lord, tell me I'm wrong. You know, I, I don't want to do anything wrong here, because it was a really, really big revelation from God, and I thought, why me, Lord? And the only explanation I have for that is because I happen to be listening at the right time. <laughs> but anyway, he showed me this in his word, and I kept finding all these scriptures, and I was up for five hours with the Lord pouring this out on me, and I thought, oh, I can't wait to tell David, because I know if I'm wrong, he'll be sure and tell me I'm wrong. But the Lord just showed me all these scriptures about the host and about uh, the candle in the uh, book of Revelation and just all kinds of things. So I wrote a little booklet, and then uh, and I shared this with David when he woke up, and he just said, I can't believe it's been there in the Word all along, and we've just been looking over it. And it was there. We just didn't see it. So it was a real revelation from God. Since that time, I've talked to many Catholics and many people, and once we explain it, they say, wow, that's right. This could be one of the few things that would deceive the very elect because they're used to taking communion, but they're not going to realize that this is a false communion because our apostate world in this, especially in this church world, they've become ecumenical and accepted all the other religions. And when they do have this false communion, it's not going to be Jesus Christ as the only way of salvation. It's going to be offered to any kind of religion or spirituality in the world. And I feel that it will probably be offered as a one-time, uh, if you take this communion, you're going to live and have immortal life. Um, and we've already seen a lot of Eucharistic miracles here and there. You can look them up on the Internet. And they worship the host that turns to flesh and put them up in their little, uh, their little uh, glass cases and bow down and worship them. And it's all over the place. But this is going to be a little something different. And David and I have also come to the conclusion that we've, we're pretty sure that, and I'm not saying this is from God, but Logically, I think they're probably going to put Nephilim DNA in this uh, communion. And, you know, once we would partake of that, we'd be damned forever. And 
this is why we're trying to warn people. I've I've actually, like I said, we I've written a little booklet, and then we had a radio show in 2006 on a shortwave radio program, and then uh, finally, I mean, 2004, I guess it was, and then in 2006, we wrote another book. We call it The Luciferian Transmutation, and in that book, we document the Catholic history of transubstantiation, and we explain how the Catholics have evolved from thinking that uh, Jesus is present to the fact that Mary is present when they perform the Eucharist. And, of course, that brings in the goddess worship. And in our book, we even talk about uh, how our world has become more and more androgynous and how that's going. And there's lots of things in this book. And we also document the the search for the Holy Grail uh, and the Masons, how they've been using transmutation to change the elements for years. And um, David feels that the host will be given to the false prophet, who we feel will probably be either this pope or the next one, but probably this one. Um, and that it will be um, occultic and it will be tainted by uh, Freemasons before it ever gets to the false prophet. And there's just so much here that we have, we've documented this and it sounds really strange, but you know, if you think about it, what do they use in all the satanic rituals? Blood, 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 blood. And, you know, what the Lord says about blood in Leviticus, that, you know, the life is in the blood. And all this makes perfect sense that this could be the one real big thing. I, the, the Lord told me that this is going to be the initiating factor in the one world religion. That when people partake of this, they'll become a member of the one world religion. And we know that this is what's going on now. That the people are getting ready for this. That's why God wants us to come out, come out from among them. We've ministered to Catholics over the years, and every Catholic I've ever told about this, they they agree. And I am. Uh, I don't have much of an explanation except for the fact that it was a revelation from God and we're continuing still to find more connections with this. And as far as I know, uh, there's no one else anywhere that's ever come up with this particular revelation. And that scares me. And just from the very basic and most rational understanding from the Word of God, in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, it says that the man of sin will deceive through the miracles that he does. And I believe that the man of sin has been misidentified. Most prophecy teachers will say that the man of beast that the man of sin would be the first beast of Revelation thirteen. And in, in Revelation chapter thirteen we have two beasts, one out of the sea and one out of the earth. The first one is a military political beast. The second is a religious beast. But the first beast in Revelation 13 works no miracles. It's the second beast that deceives the whole earth by the miracles that he does. The man of sin is beast number two, not beast number one. And you could just imagine the impact when people would take communion if this, the wafer would turn to real meat and uh, wine to real blood, this would be hailed by most 
as a great miracle from God, and it would be a massive deception. And I do believe that it's quite possible. The, the Word of God says that once this mark is received, and over and over when you study the mark of the beast, it's in the context of worship that this is received, and I believe that it's quite possible this is this is absolutely not going to be the blood of the Lord Jesus they receive, but it will be the blood of the beast. And this, I believe, quite possibly will change the DNA to where the, the person will no longer be human, that there will actually be a genetic change that will put them beyond the veil of salvation. They will actually become transhuman in part Nephilim. And the Bible also, it, it clearly teaches that there's going to be a one-world government and a one-world religion, and there's only one organization that has a chance of establishing a one-world religion. It will be basically a Catholic framework that will be joined by apostate Protestants and people from all religions to come into a universal religion that will be dedicated to the God of the mysteries. It will be the the God Apollo. Perdition, Apollie, is a form of the old God Apollo, the God of the mysteries. And it will be the culmination of the Feast of the Beast. In all of the Old Testament mystery religions, there was a false communion. There was an eating and a drinking under the pagan gods, that food sacrificed unto idols that was accompanied by their pagan revelings. And this is going to be the culmination of that. It will be the final ride of the Feast of the Beast. But in it all, God is going to bring judgment and he's going to bring his remnant through this time to be a mighty voice and do mighty exploits for God. The, the thing about the last half of the 70th week of Daniel, we can become overwhelmed by the things that are coming upon this earth, and it is going to be just dramatic and overwhelming. But the Lord said that he is going to confirm his covenant. He confirmed his covenant while he was on earth, and he is going to confirm his covenant for the last half of the 70th week of Daniel. And I believe right now that's what God is doing. He is positioning and he is preparing and he is revealing this to God's remnant. And he's preparing us right now to be that church, that glorious church. I don't believe that Jesus died on the cross and resurrected to the right hand of the Father to see his church. And of course we're going to be we're going to be persecuted and many of us will even give our lives. But the church is going to triumph. The church is going to be the church in these last days. And it will be by the mighty hand of God and the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. And right now, that's what God is doing. He is preparing those burnt stones that have been through so much to be the pillars of the house of God in these last days. I just wanted to add, uh, when we were trying to put this together to make it so people could understand what we were saying, uh, we had received a video to critique called Visions of Heaven, 
and um, that video actually had a quote in it. It was a Marian apparition, and it said, uh, through the Eucharist, I will unite to all churches. And so that just confirmed exactly what the Lord had shown me, and I hadn't even uh, seen that video at all. And there are people that's had like different little pieces of this revelation, but nobody's actually put it together like we have because of our knowledge of uh, the occult, our knowledge of Satanism, our knowledge of Freemasonry, and then our Christian knowledge. When you add it all together, I guess that's maybe why the Lord showed it to me. Uh, and one thing, I sometimes have visions, and um, I had a vision one time of people that were taking the Eucharist, and uh, the Virgin Mary was hovering up above, and all of a sudden, the Virgin Mary changed into the Baphomet figure. Mm -hmm. and, and, of course, that's... <laughs> You know, Satan comes as an angel of light, and so it was just astounding. And we have been trying to spend years trying to explain this to people, and some people think we're crazy, but most people think, yeah, I guess it could happen, you know? So we've been trying to warn people. Yeah, yeah they're, they're already, already getting, getting it put up. together. I mean, yeah. this is this is something they're already working on. Um, you know, if you look at what's going on in Astana, behind our backs, they are meeting every religion. I don't care who they are. Their leaders are meeting in Astana and putting together the one world religion. It's just, it's ready. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah and it, it's sad that, we, but Satan copies everything God does. Everything that is in the Word of God, Satan copies verbatim, but out of the timing of God. And, and I get, uh, I'm encouraged when I hear people trying to make peace between believers. But it scares me because how they're achieving this peace is not through Jesus Christ. They are ignoring Jesus and um, getting together in the ecumenical movement and all this mm -hmm. stuff about all the churches joining together and Catholics preaching at Protestant churches and Protestant preachers preaching at Catholic churches. They're not uniting under Christ. And this is what he meant by us being his body, that we all work together yeah. through him and what he teaches and his doctrine. And most people that go to churches, they don't even know his doctrine. They don't. Really? No, and that's why I was going to say the church that he is going to rescue out of all of this is so small. Yeah. We don't even have a clue at how small it is. There's not going to be near as many in heaven as what people think there is. No, not at all. Mm -mm. And it's not that we don't want them to be there. Their hearts are hardened and they're not listening to us. Yeah, but they're they're making choices. Yes. We are in the valley of decision right now, and people make a mistake in thinking that that valley of decision is us making the decision, but what it is is it's God, and he's making a decision now. That's right where we're at. You're either going to be for him or against him. There is no middle-of-the-ground road here. You can't yeah. walk two roads. The Lord showed me a vision a few years ago of just like a black world and there were and I don't even like to call it this but there were like points of light sticking up here and there and the Lord showed me that those are the true sold out born again believers and what's going to happen is people that really do 
want to make that decision for the Lord, they're going to know who to come talk to. It's not going to be, normally it ain't going to be this big church on the corner. It might be a person here or there, a little Bible study, or you know, it could be some little churches. But he was telling me that there's already being a division between light and dark. And mm -hmm. his children and the enemy, and people are already making that decision. It's already having a vision. But there will be people that, well, they will be sticking out to where they're going to be, uh, the unsaved of this world are going to know who to go to to talk to about the truth. Well, and that's that's what I've been telling people here is that. We have to be ready. Yeah. Our work is just going to start. Mm -hmm. yes. This we ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> Amen. That's right. You know, and when the when the awakening takes place, when these people realize what they have done to God, the shame is going to bring them running to us. Yeah. yeah. And we got to be ready. Yeah. And we can no longer just pretend, you know, no. not that I ever have, but we have to walk the talk. And people are looking at us right now, and I realize this more than ever here where we live. We live in a, a high-rise where uh, we have a lot of people here. But you know what? It's just the world. It's just like the world, only it's all grouped together in one little building. But I've learned that we have to be what we say we are all the time because people are watching us and listening to us. That's right. And they have nowhere to go to, for a leader. They're going to look for leaders. Okay. And they're going to look for truth. They're going to recognize it and look for it. And you better be representing it. Amen. Um, you know, this is like just leading right up to what God gave me for a message day. I'm just so amazed at how this is all coming together. Um, and I am going to talk to people very more harsh than usual. <laughs> and hoping that you finally will take this message and understand that God's calling us forth. There's no more waiting here. We don't have time. Matter of fact, the title of this message is It Is Time. So I'm just going to go and read exactly what I got here. And I pray that every one of you will open your ears and hear and do not just sit there and say, oh, yeah, that, that's right. Because now you have to stand for God. You have to stand for this country. You must stand for your families. You must stand for your friends. And you, above all, have to stand for yourself. You can't sit back no more. Every day that you sit back, more and more of our rights are being taken away from us. Now, granted... When Jesus walked this earth, he never once said, I have the right, I have the right. He didn't do that. But he did give us the rights by the hand of the people that wrote the Constitution. He gave us these rights, and we've got to protect them. That's our responsibility. So I'm going to read to you what I was given and you either accept or you don't. I, I, it's up to you. It is time for the mothers and fathers, the grandmothers, the grandfathers, the aunts, the uncles, the brothers, the sisters, the friends, 
who are awake to the awful things that Obama has executed against America to stand up and speak out. It is time for those of you who have family in the military to speak to them, demand of them to help us save our country. We need them all here fighting the good fight for God and country now. Or within a, the, the foreseeable future, we may not have a country. The possible, possibility exists that we may find ourselves in FEMA camps and never seeing our families again. It is time for every Christian pastor who calls themselves a pastor, and I can tell you I can lose that, yeah, that term loosely, to stand up for God now in America. What is a pastor? A pastor is one who protects his sheep at all costs. That's why Jesus was called a pastor. So if you're going to be called a pastor, you must be willing to die to protect your sheep. Amen. It is time for every Christian pastor to stand up for God now and America as well as the world. We all need you to be the men and women that God truly called you to be. It is time for all those pastors who sold out to the government 501c3 to come out from amongst her and repent and take your stand for God. It is time to lead as God called you to lead and let the rest go. It is time for every whistleblower, past, present, and future, to take a stand for God and country, for your families and friends. It is time to stand from the highest mountain, scream the truth. The truth, God says, is what sets us free. It puts the devil on the run, people. Look at how he's running already. Every day, more and more truth is coming out, and it's putting these devils on the run. Now is the time to stand up. And those things that you're hiding out there, bring them out. Those of you who have the truth and do not give it will pay a great price, not only for yourselves, but for many others you did not help. It is time to set selfishness and fear and greed and all things against God aside and repent and turn back to God, family and friends. The time to do what is right is well overdue. Join forces now and do what is right for God and country. To the military, I say, it is time to stand up for your family and friends. It is time to stand for this nation. It is time to take every order you are given and weigh them carefully. Think of the consequences of the orders you are given. And while they have you in one state arresting people you do not know, they will have others in your state arresting all you do know. You'll go back to nothing, no family, no friends. It will be at your hands that this happens if you obey the orders of this devil, Obama. You all know the truth. Therefore, the blood will be on your shoulders more than others. You have the power in your hands and in your hearts to take this nation back and restore order. To all sheriffs and law enforcement, it is time to stand. Throw the federal government out of your counties. 
save your states, save your nation, restore the laws of the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. To the militia, it is time to stand for your country, your family, and your friends. Organize. Step up to the plate. As for Obama, he is not our president. He shows us no attributes of a president, nor does he show us his qualifications to be a president. He has no idea from one day to the next where he was born, who his parents really are, what social security number to use, what schools he attended, or even what religion he is. This is an evil, evil man who does not qualify as a president to anyone except the Muslim Brotherhood and Satan himself. Amen. He cannot tell the truth no matter what he does. He is a narcissistic, pathological liar and a promise breaker. He is an absolute murderer and a lover of sin. He is an advocate of hate and division. He is a mocker of God our Father and a worshiper of evil. He is a destroyer of America. He loves sin and he hates holiness. He loves Lucifer and he hates God our Father and his word. His pride and arrogance kill children everywhere. He is a thief, and he robs us all of everything he can. He is a destroyer of life and liberty and peace. It is time for all prayer warriors to stand together. It is time to take up your positions in God's army and fight for our country's survival. It is time to call on the kingdom of God to come. It is time to call on the will of God to be done. It is time to set the war in heaven in full motion. It is time to love others more than ourselves. It is time to love our Father and his whole kingdom more than anything or anyone else. It is time for all God's creation to stand against the evil in this world and arrest it and put a stop to it all. It is time for all to call on the name of Jesus and bring this country back into the order of God our Father in heaven. Amen. It is time for this world to bring their governments back into order as well. It is time to end all wars and put these liars and lovers of evil under arrest and try them for the treason and murder they're guilty of. It is time for us to demand to know where all of those who have disappeared are. It is time for us to know where all the children are that disappear daily. These snakes know all the answers we need. It is time to get the answers. It is time for those who have robbed us to tell the truth and return all the monies and peace they have taken from us. It is time for the evil bankers to repent and run from evil. It is time for Joel too. Satan, you return unto us double everything you took, spiritually, physically, mentally, and financially. It is time for all warmongers to stop all wars and allow the peace to flow. It is time for all people to stand up and put a stop to all the destruction caused by the usurper. Recall, recall, recall them all. It is time for those who have enslaved God's people to let them go. Amen. It is time for all who love evil to repent now. No time left. We are one nation under God. March 
unchristian soldiers march on, kick the evil out, and hand it over to God the Father to deal with. Try and punish according to the laws of our land, and execute the correct judgment on those who are convicted of treason. This new world order has had us all in fear way too long. Now it is time for us to return the favor. Run, you snakes. God's horses are riding, and you lose. Go high or go low. There is nowhere to hide. God's riders come. Those who have caused death by swords will die by swords. What you fear the most will now come upon you. My mother used to say, I brought you into this world and I'll take you out. Well, that is how our father feels. When he sees all the evil you put on the meek of this world, he brought you in here and he'll take you out. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done, Father in heaven. Amen. Kathy, that was a wonderful word. That's God's words. And he's serious. Judgment is beginning now, so your message is right on time. Because I heard you say it three times tonight. Amen. Well, and you know what? I I hope I'm in order here, but I just have to share. Because the Lord gave me a word about it is time. And I want, I think this is appropriate. I want to confirm what you're saying. But this is what the Lord told me in 2011. Praise God. The Lord would say to us, I have spoken, but ye have not listened. Tell the heathen that they will be brought low. Judgment is not pretty, but it is necessary. The time has come for you to get serious with the Lord. Lo, I come with great vengeance, for I am a jealous God. Many days have passed, and I have warned my people, but yet they do not listen. The young ones are like wild asses. They run in the streets to and fro, and the old ones try to be young again, yet none seek my face. Even those who call themselves my servants do not seek my face. The shepherds have lost control of their flocks. They have no authority to lead them. The sheep have gone astray, seeking pasture in molten fields. Oh, that I had a shepherd that would grab the sheep in the crook of the staff and pull them safely and guide them in my ways. It is time for those who call themselves apostles to walk in the way of the master. It is time for those who are prophets to live a life worthy of the calling. It is time for those who teach to not veer from my doctrine. It is time for those who go after the lost sheep and the black sheep to get serious. It is time for those who would say they follow me to follow me. Let me speak to you, my children, for I am not a God who is afar off. I am your God who loves you from everlasting to everlasting. Write these words, my daughter, and declare them. Let them be a testimony of my love and power. October 17th, 2011. Wow. Praise God. Here's, here's another little thing I want to add here. Senator McCain, Senator Lindsay, Senator Feinstein, Boehner, and every other senator, congressman, House of Reps, Obama, all of your communist regime, you better get running or get on your knees. It's the only two choices you got. 
Amen. Amen. And something else that you said really brought to my mind something Jesus said in Revelation 3 and 9. He said, Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved you. And it's out of mercy that God is bringing judgment. And he is going to bring a remnant out of the apostate church, out of that 501c3 mess. There's a remnant of people that are going to come out, and they're going to remember where they heard this. They are going to remember those that have called this out before it happened. And they are going to go to those people to find answers when this hits. So it's out of God's love and God's mercy to bring even more into the remnant that judgment is going to begin at the house of God. And this is what's happening right now. The 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 alarm is sounded. The, the time has run out. This is upon us. It's not coming, but we're experiencing the first fallings of the wrath and the judgment of God on our nation right now. You know, this is truly the time, and this is the word of the Lord right now. Amen. There, it's not maybe it is. Yes, it is. And for anybody that has been fence riding, you know, you you don't ride the fence. You don't have. This morning we were talking about uh, a double mind and a divided heart. You you can't do that. The world will tell you that lukewarm's okay. It's not. It's not. It's time now to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ with all of your heart. Amen. And Senator Feinstein, here's a little message for you. You can write all the laws you want, and you can try to shut us up on every side. It does not matter. God will get his message out, even if he wants to do it supernaturally. So you can just put your pen down. It ain't going to do you any good. Amen. Praise God. Amen. And you know, for the people that shrink back in fear, Cowards are going to be the one thrown in the pit of hell. Cowards, it was mentioned. And I just praise God for your boldness, Kathy. And I know that God has made me bold and David bold. And we've done this for years. And people say, how can you speak out against all these things without getting some retribution from the enemy? Well, I'm sure we have received some of that, but you know God has always been here to protect us, and we've always found out the more vocal we are, the better off we are. At least if somebody kills us, everybody else is going to know who did it, because, you know, we are not going to shut up. We are going to speak the truth in the Word of God. We are going to warn God's people as much as we can get them to listen. Amen. going to help the little ones. I've always told Satan, you know what, I hope you do come and get me first. Yeah. And send me home to the Father, who will put me alongside of Jesus Christ. I'm going to ride that horse back here, and I'm going to fight right alongside of him. I'll be the worst nightmare you ever had. (laughs) Yeah. It's like Jesus said. He said, fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And what would scare me tonight, what would terrify me if if I would go to sleep tonight or try to go to sleep tonight knowing that I was disobedient to God, Amen. that Amen. I would have failed 
to speak the whole counsel of God that I would in any way try to compromise or mitigate that which the Lord is saying. Now, that would scare me, you know, Amen. scare me. But standing up to the devil in these last days, and I, and I don't say that in an arrogant or a fleshly way, but that doesn't scare me. No, Just me either. That is you know, matter of fact, I want to say thank you right now. Thank you so much, you bikers, because I saw the hope in the Americans as they saw you come through every town. Mm -hmm. I saw them rise up. I saw them say, yes, yes, yes. Now, don't waste what they did for you. Get up. It's time. After all, what have we got to lose? Nothing. I have to gain. If they kill us, we know where we're going. What we're worried about is where they're going. Amen. Amen. Well, Pastor Tom, what say you? I think he fell asleep. <laughs> oh, gosh, I hope not. <laughs> Could have been that boring. <laughs> Huh. Well, you know, I just praise God for the opportunity. David and I really appreciate this opportunity to be on your program, and we are constantly trying to get the word out at www.sojc.com. We have an auto DJ that runs 24 hours a day, free archives with many teachings in it. You can download or listen. Uh, we just try to get the word out as best we can. And thank you, Kathy, for doing that as well. Oh, we're very happy to have you. you got a home here. Um, and I want to speak to all of you out there and to say to you, please, please, replay this show, resend this show, put it up anywhere you want. You have our permission. Yes, get this message out so these snakes get the message. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Amen. This has been a wonderful night. Now, Pastor Thomas, are you with us? I, uh, I did Kathy, hear that. Is that, is that no. me on the line? No. Well, you are on. Do you have a question, Thomas? Um, no, I just well, uh, no, I just want to let the listeners know, not just FOJC, it's FOJCRadio.com. Oh yeah, radio, good one. F, you, have to add, you, you have to add the radio f o f o j c radio dot com. Mm -hmm. Good, thank you. Okay, oh, well, I think Pastor Thomas might have got busy back there somewhere. Well, he's he's still showing that he's on, but I want to thank both of you too for being on tonight and for all the wonderful words that you've said and I mean it's just been I it's hard for me to describe because I've got goosebumps after listening to this tonight <laughs> well we had some too you know <laughs> what is happening it's it's like the Apostle Paul said the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God amen there is a supernatural witness of the Holy Ghost that the same God that has touched our hearts has touched yours and he's given us the same heart and the same burden and the same call 
in these last days. And it's a very, it, it's such a thing that once it gets a hold of you, it overwhelms all your being. It drives you and it motivates you. And it's the driving force in your life that there's no denying and there's no turning away from. It consumes you. And when people like this, it's just a supernatural thing, and I believe that we've experienced a little of that this evening, and that's a very precious thing, and I believe that the people that are listening, that they can sense and they can understand that also, that this is more than just something to say. This is a expression of what God is doing right now. It's an urgency, and it's a warning, and it's it's an appeal from the Lord to, to come unto that one that has eternal life, to come unto the Lord right now, that the, the gates of mercy are still open, that people can come to the Lord and receive eternal life and become overcomers in these last days. They don't have to be overcome by fear, but they can stand for the Lord. Amen. And I want to say, too, uh, and I said this before, but I'm going to say it again. To all of you who are out here, you truthers, you patriots, you alternative news people, I don't care what laws they sign. All you got to do is flip it around. And in, don't quit. Don't quit no matter what they do. Do not quit. Just pray. You want to tell the news? Just say, here, we're going to be praying about this today, and we're going to pray about this today, and you'll still get the news out, but you're not going to be accused of anything except prayer. Amen. Amen. Well, there he is. <laughs> I did it, Kathy. I have no we were idea what's, what's happened with telephone. David and Donna, I've been listening, and it's absolutely been wonderful. And I've been trying to talk to you guys for a half hour, and I finally hung up and called back, and now I'm online. <laughs> Please, Jesus. Amen. David, thank you, and Donna, thank you for your presentation so much. It blessed my soul so tremendously. The, my mission of primary calling of my ministry is helping folks from all the entire body of Christ to break the bondages that they're in. Break the bondages of the of churchdom, of, of churchianity, break the bondage of bad teaching, break the bondage of demonic, break the bondage of fear, break the bondage of, of guilt and shame that's been put on them wrongly. And I love your ministry. I absolutely love your ministry because when people are are in trauma and I'm I'm dealing with some people that have been in the sexual trauma right now and we're we're the Lord is working with them so wonderfully and I know one of them's listening today and I say, Hi guy and the Lord is good, and He's going to bring you home entirely and free you entirely. And in this last minute, I'd like us—I'd like us to end on a on a positive note, because all the saved Christians, born—if you know you're a born again Christian, born again with the Spirit of God walking in you, where when you pray to the Lord and ask Him, "Am I am I saved, Lord?" He tells you. He tells you. He affirms us. He tells us through His Spirit. That we are, we are his children. We've been adopted into the family, and God isn't an Indian giver. He never takes anything back, and He's going to walk with you and empower you and give you the strength to walk through all the problems that 
that, that are going to be are, are going to be coming up against us. And, and if you ever have self doubt, go to Psalms 91. God is the protector. He is the defender. He is our power. He is our strength. And all of these folks that are rising up, I couldn't agree with you more, David. The farther down we go, and God lets us go there sometimes. I'm thinking a lot of times. Because the farther down we go in our spirit, we get beat down, we get hammered, we get abused, and then the Lord gets a hold of us and rises us up. It's like a slingshot, and that spirit can rise up so high, and we can be such a, a demonstration of his power to everyone around us. And I, I've been in the wilderness, and I know what low is, and I know many of you that are listening know what the bottom is. And once you've been to the bottom, you know absolutely you never want to go back, number one, but, but also the freedom of walking in Jesus becomes so incredible every single day. And David and Donna, thank you so much for your message. And, and I'd, like to, I'd like to talk to you after the show if I can. Um, well, I'm able to touch. And, and we ahead, just David. want to thank you so much too, Reverend Thomason. We know that your heart and Sister Kathy's heart is as ours toward the Lord. And it's always a precious thing to make new friends in the Lord. And we do appreciate you and value that so much. You know what I was thinking, Tom, uh, Pastor Thomas, is could you maybe post some of their radio shows onto your website? I think we could maybe arrange that. I don't know how, but I've got this web ministry, David, that God started. 22 months ago, and it just grows and grows and grows. I don't, I don't know a thing about, I don't know a thing I've learned. He's taught me things, but I'm not a tech guy. And, but God's been bringing some people around me to help me because I honestly don't understand these things. But and if, you're, if you're in the audience and you understand WordPress and you understand computers and you understand how to make these things sing, if we can get the right guy to make it sing, I know we can put the radio program on the website. We've got almost a Lou, thousand people a day coming there. Lou, now. you're hanging on there. Maybe you can help him, if you will, please. It's, it's Hello. Not real... Am I on the line? Yeah, you are. Am I on the line? Um, yep. Reverend Thomas, I don't want to take up air time. Um, I'll send my phone number to Kathy in an email. And, Kathy, give my phone number and my email to Reverend Thomas to contact me, and I'll do everything I can. Again, you, um, brother. Again, brother David and sister Donna's website is Followers of Jesus Christ Radio. www.fojcradio.com. <laughs> Thank you, Tom. You know, we think we think we have a tendency to think so locally. You know, wherever we live, you know, we think of the end times of how it's going to happen in my house, in my town. And it's, it's more about Jerusalem, we know, than about my town. But the word is spreading out to everywhere, and the power of God is moving everywhere right now, where there's, there's yeah. Muslims falling like leaves from just the Spirit of God. And they're, yeah. and they're being saved just by the Spirit of God. We have, we have a, man, a man of God that's ministering today in South Korea with a friend of mine, and bless Henry, <laughs> In South Korea, we're, we're trying to get the North. He's trying to get the North Korea. The Lord is over, trying to open up little doors for him there. But China, the word of God is sweeping across China. The Chinese have a big problem that way because it's not really uh, one of their main topics. Listen, in the I, government. 
I only got two minutes left, so I better get in. Uh, Tuesday night, folks, we're going to have on here Tony with Herbs and Breads. And he, Tony is going to teach us now how to make medicines that we need, like for thyroid and for diabetes and natural medicines when we no longer have the availability of medicines from the government, which we probably don't want anymore anyway. So he will be on with us Tuesday night, and uh, we're going to, you bring your pencils and papers. Okay, I guess we got two minutes left. Go ahead, Thomas. David and Donna, God bless you, my friends. And um, well, God bless Heavenly you. Father, okay, thank you, David. And um, it's truly been a blessing getting to know you this afternoon. I wish I could have interacted a little bit more with you. I'd love to talk to you about about the the, the, the strings, the demonic problems that people have when they once when they're in trauma, when they've been through trauma, and they're trying to come out and and the, the power of Jesus Christ of releasing from those demonic strings and those 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 soul ties that are developed and and that Jesus can overcome all. Lord, Lord, we come to you in prayer this afternoon. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the show today. We pray that you bless Kathy for all the work she puts on uh, in putting this program on, Lord. And, and, Father, I plead the blood of Jesus upon David and Donna. Take care of them, Father. They're servants of yours, the children of yours, and speak boldly through them, Lord. Speak boldly through them and take care of them. We thank you for the blessing of the message today. We ask you, Lord, to walk with us and talk with us and touch us and hold us and raise us up today, Lord. Carry us through the week, being shining examples of the light, of the light that the world needs for salvation, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.